This is an ABC podcast. I'm one of those like people who who's seeing everything as a coping mechanism, like, <laughs> oh my God, it's really hot right now. You know, I'll be in a sauna right. and everyone's there trying to focus and be tranquil and I'll be like, oh dear, it's sweaty in here. <laughs> and You're one of those people. Yeah, one of those people who are like very annoying, but all that all those annoying traits kind of and a tribute to being the perfect annoying father, I think, in that sense of I don't have any shame about singing to my kid, no matter where I am. This is Chachi Milani, and he is not your average singing parent. First and foremost, I'm a proud father, proud Fijian. I was a forming member of an Australian band called Gang of Youths. Chachi is now a solo artist, and he also runs a label focused on Pacifica artists, but the singing he does for his daughter is different. And I, I've known other parents who have found it weird. They've kind of caught themselves singing to their child in public and, and being like, if I didn't have a child in my hands right now, this would be really weird and uncomfortable for me, but this is second nature. It's like a second nature thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. no, that's that describes me. I, I had plenty of times after having a kid where I was like, who am I? I'm singing about everything yeah. all the time. Definitely. <laughs> Singing to babies and young children is a pretty universal behaviour, but the sheer amount of singing new parents tend to do can be confusing and baffling. Yes, I've said to people that I think I sang to her more in the first few months than I spoke to her. Because I never used to sing that much before. It was almost automatic, I think. I would just start to run a kind of ongoing sung description of everything that I was doing. But when I'm singing, like, the nickname songs and the made-up tunes, that just comes out of me. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not conscious doing that. You always do like that baby voice too. Like everything's in this high-pitched sing-song. Every time I wipe her nose for her, I'd like sing a version of, you know, the song Goldfinger, the James Bond song. Instead I go, nose wiper. Yeah, it just something comes over you and everything becomes a potential parenting song. (laughs) That is really funny and really cute. It brings a bit of like tension and glamour to the process. (laughs) Where does this instinct to sing about everything come from? It's like a switch gets flipped the moment you're near a baby. A hundred percent. You don't have to be a parent to realise that this is this is what we do. Like childcare workers, for instance, Mm. they do this. So in today's episode, we're going to get to the bottom of this weird compulsion that comes over people when they're near a baby, because there are some key reasons we do this. There's actually three functions to this. And we're also going to hear some of the songs you have made up for your little ones, because a couple of weeks ago we did a call out for your baby songs, and oh my gosh, the amount of cuteness that rolled into our inbox, it was next level. This is the song that I sing sometimes to my older children. She's like trying to sing along now. In my head, this is a true 80s power rock. Imagine Jack Black just giving it everything. (laughs) That's how we change your nappy. Adorable. And since all of you were so generous with your songs, I will even, against my better judgment, share one of the songs I have made up for my kid. I still actually sing it to him now because it's quite just sentimental and sweet. Yeah. And I don't have a recording, so I'm going to have to sing it to Oh, you. I am very excited for this. <laughs> Which is like just so embarrassing and I can't believe I'm doing this, but here we go. Okay. Nah, you're just going to have to keep listening for that embarrassing tidbit. This is All in the Mind. I'm Sana Kadar. Today, the silly, sweet, spontaneous songs we sing to babies and why we sing them. 
another nappy, put a nappy on Liam. Put another nappy on Liam, George. We have had so many lovely songs sent to us in the last couple of weeks, and I've been noticing they seem to fall into certain categories. Some songs are for a specific situation, like a nappy change. Some are playful, silly ditties for just any time. Most are totally made up, words and tunes just plucked from a parent's head. And others are kind of remixes of existing songs. Chachi Milani's song falls into the remix camp and song for a specific activity camp. Then to get this kiki, get this kiki dressed, baby, baby. You see, he's been going through a third eye blind phase recently, and the song Semi Charmed Life, in particular, has been stuck deep in his head. So he came into the All in the Mind studio to talk about his remix, and he brought along his two year old daughter. Come on. Hey, Kiki, you wanna come this way? Making this the cutest interview I have ever done. (laughs) All right, we can just let her walk around. Um, Okay, so the song you sent. Yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah, semi-charmed kind of life. It just, there's something about it that seems so like angelic and simple and kind of like approachable in a childlike sense. The the do-do-do's. Yeah, yeah. And so (laughs) when I just started singing Kiki along to it, Kiki, 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 Kiki. She loves it. Can you sing it, Kiki? And then what do you do with the verse? Well, I usually sing it to her while she's getting dressed. So, but I'm just like, gotta get your shirt on, gotta put your right arm in and your left arm in. We gotta go out soon. Gotta put your pants on now too. Your left sock and your right sock. I don't know. You know. Pull on your shirt over your body, and now we're gonna put on your little pants. Gonna put your left pants and your right pants. (laughs) That's really cute. And so, yeah, how does she respond when you sing that, when you're, you know, trying to get her dressed and out the door or whatever's happening? Oh, she loves it. Yeah. She loves it. She's, uh... She listens? She gets her clothes on? She's, she's like, now expectant. Because anyone else who gets it changed doesn't sing that song. She, like, doesn't like getting getting changed. changed. But that's the thing, right? That's, like, why we do these kind of things. We create an event out of something that's kind of, to them, a torturous situation you know but making this event out of it she like looks forward to it now sometimes talking to your child they find it very hard to engage with what you're saying in this like kind of atonal normal communicative sense but when you sing it to them and there's melody and there's rhythm and there's rhyme they're, they're just so engaged and I, I don't I personally don't know the science behind that but just from my own personal experience I've noticed that singing really helps. Yeah, that's, you hit the nail on the head. That's definitely one of the functions of why we sing to kids. So there's actually three functions to this. The first, it's a really great tool for grabbing a baby's attention. Mm. And there are a bunch of studies that show that babies have a preference for this type of communication. This is Dr. Alex Willard. I am a researcher at Embrace at Telethon Kids and the University of Western Australia. Uh, So I research attachment and right now I work in trauma, but for my PhD, I looked at this really cool thing called baby talk. 
Alex says singing falls under the umbrella of baby talk because it's about the general way we communicate with babies and young kids. So if you sit a baby in a room, and in fact, actually, I'll tell you this story that happened to me. I was, I was doing a talk, <laughs> yep. big auditorium, and, you know, when you're talking in front of a lot of people, I don't pay attention to the audience because I'm just so nervous. Yeah, yeah. So I had no idea what was going on <laughs> in the audience. And I'm talking and I'm talking about, you know, my research. And then I start, I always give examples mm-hmm. of what this communication sounds like. <laughs> and so I go, hey, baby, like that. <laughs> right. And everyone, everyone starts laughing. And I, I thought they were just laughing at me. It turns out that there was a baby in the audience. Aww. I swear I did not plant this. I did not plant this baby. <laughs> the baby in the audience was crying and then stopped Aww. crying and paid attention to me. Wow. It's that so powerful. It is that powerful that you start engaging with the baby with this communication. And they just they will they will give you their attention. And do we know why babies respond to this kind of communication so well? So we have a couple of theories. One is that it is so salient, so it sticks out. Mm. So you and I talking to each other is not interesting to a baby. In fact, it's probably not interesting to <laughs> someone just walking past, right? But right. if I start singing to you, someone's going to stop. And be like, yeah, they're what? Gonna, they're going to look at you and be like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah. So it's easier for a baby to latch on to. And because they are learning, they're little scientists, they're new to the world and they're, they're, they've got all of this stimuli around them, mm-hmm. they need things to stick out to them to pay attention. And so when we do studies looking at their brain, brain activity changes when we communicate in this way. Right. Yeah. So it's really, it's just really powerful. It stands out and it's easier to kind of latch onto. Right. Which brings me to my next point, that we use this communication to teach babies. So if you think about a baby, where are they learning how to speak? From their parents. From their parents. Or caregivers, yeah. Caregivers, exactly. And songs are really educational. So even when a baby is not speaking themselves yet, you're teaching them how to speak, how to learn language, how to, how to construct sentences, and also how to interact with other people. So turn-taking. You're my baby. When you have a, a break in a sentence, it kind of signals to the other person. Okay, it's your time to, to talk now. your eyes go to sleep now, sweet little baby. So when you're, when you're singing to a baby, you'll naturally go off of the baby's cues. <laughs> and usually what happens is you'll have a break in singing and wait for your baby to make some sort of signal towards you. Right. So whether that's smiling or giggling or if they're a bit older, maybe babbling or maybe you're waiting for them to, to sing a part of the song, <laughs> you know? So I've, I've seen lots of parents do the whole row, row, row your <laughs> right. boat. Exactly. Right. So you're teaching turn-taking, which is this really great social tool. It's, it's teaching kids how to be around and communicate with other people. A lot of the songs that were sent to us illustrated this perfectly. So there's the lullaby you just heard from Perth mum Yvonne Ardley. And then there's this other example, which I played for Alex. Okay, this song comes from Mike Williams, uh, who used to work here at the ABC. He's now at a different podcasting house. Um, Okay, let me play this one. I'm going to trick your nappy. What's it going to be? What's it going to be? What's it going to be? Let's... If it's a, oh, wow. we'll know what to, if it's a, 
We might. Let it be. Let it be. What's it gonna be? What's it gonna be? What's it gonna be? Let's see. It's a. It's a. It's not a poo. <laughs> Amazing. That is such a great example of turn taking. Mm. So he is allowing the baby to learn how to turn take, but also to learn language. How cool is that? Yeah. That yeah. was perfect. That is a very effective nappy change song. <laughs> I might need to steal that one. That was awesome. He actually also sent in a guitar version, which he definitely went above and beyond here. I appreciate it, but wow, A plus for effort. Let me, let me play it for you just briefly. What's it going to be? What's it going to be? What's it going to be in your nappy if it's a poo? I mean, it's beautiful. Wow. If he could monetize on this. I know. It What's it gonna be? What's it gonna be? What's it gonna be? Let's see. Okay, so we've covered two of the functions of singing to babies, getting their attention, and teaching language and turn-taking. The third function is... All about emotion. So when we're communicating with with babies, it's a feedback loop. So you've got two partners, or maybe even more, but say you've got the caregiver and the baby. The baby signals the mum, the mum signals the baby, and you're each kind of meeting each other's needs. Mm. With emotion, usually what happens is, is the baby has some sort of need and has an emotional reaction, so crying or giggling or whatever, and caregiver will pick up on that and will usually communicate or have some sort of behavioural reaction. And then the baby will kind of recognise whether or not they had their need met. And it keeps going on and on like that. This is what the singing is doing as well. So you're regulating your baby's emotions. And Alex says the pitch and tone you use to do that changes according to how old your baby is. Sometimes early on, you're singing songs that are like soothing. Mm. So you and you notice that in the, in the tone of voice, you're trying to to kind of downregulate the baby's emotions, trying to to calm them. Right. We'll have a little bounce. We'll have a little bounce. So in the first, say, you know, couple of months, particularly the first six weeks, we don't find that the pitch that we use gets really heightened and what we would call kind of exaggerated pitch. Uh, intonation because we're not trying to kind of like encourage our babies to play around and to play with us. We're more, you know, trying to soothe them. This song is a good example of what Alex is talking about. It was sent to us by Lara from Adelaide and her daughter is now three years old, but she made this recording when her daughter was just a few weeks old. I can remember it distinctly and I'm a solo mum so I'm the only parent in the household and I was very lucky that in the early weeks of being home with my daughter my mum and my sister came and and basically moved in for a number of weeks so I was rarely alone and then this particular afternoon was one of the first times that I was really alone in the house with my daughter and she was quite grisly and I was holding her and, and kind of doing that bouncy rocking that often Mm. tiny babies love where you're really just dropping your knees (laughs) and I was bouncing her and I just remember that I started singing this thing about where we're having a bounce and then you're kind of thinking well like oh it's turning into a song what are the words 
and just coming out with all of these things about our home and who we were together as this family, which is, you know, it's one of the strange transformations of parenthood that you instantly become a family, but you haven't really met this person and you don't know who they are yet. And so I was just kind of on the spot trying to build this little narrative of, of who we are and where we live. The house is warm, the house is warm, it can weather any storm. And I remember being a bit surprised to suddenly go, oh, that's a whole song. I mean, I'm certainly not saying it's a good song, but it came very naturally and I re-listened to the recording when I sent it to you and there's just a couple of moments where I can hear her tiny little gurgly noises in the background. And and then thinking after singing it a few times, oh, I better get my phone out and record it because I'll wake up tomorrow and I won't remember. Mm. And, it, yeah, it sort of went on to become a bit of a, a joke as people were visiting. Like I remember a friend throwing in some harmonies once and adding in claps and it was, it was very much the song for a period of time which would get my daughter to settle down. So, yeah, it was effective. It got her to settle. It did. I played the song for Alex as well. Oh, and it's so, it's really fascinating how much teaching I can hear in that interaction. Oh, so yeah? I, can, I can imagine her holding the baby and bouncing the baby and every time she bounces, she says, bounce, bounce. <laughs> That's a word that this baby is going to learn. Yeah, right. The other thing that she's she's teaching is what I was talking about before, that turn-taking. Oh. So you notice how there's that little gap in between each line, each sentence. Right. So she's teaching this is a line, this is a line. Mm. And you're so right about the soft, soothing voice. Yes, that's that's exactly what I was going to say. This is like very much a soothing lullaby. I have my own version of this kind of soothing lullaby that I made up for my son when he was really tiny, and it just sort of came out of me one day. So I wanted to get Alex's thoughts on it as well. And I still actually sing it to him now because it's quite just sentimental and sweet. Yeah. Um, and I don't have a recording, so I'm going to have to sing it oh, to you. Oh, I am very excited for this. <laughs> Which is, like, <laughs> just so embarrassing, and I can't believe I'm doing this. But here we go. Okay. Um. So it's it's kind of it's a tune that just sort of goes in a circle um, mm-hmm. and can go on and on uh, and it's it's a mix of Urdu and English mm-hmm. and it goes mera bachcha mera beta mera baby mera jaan mera bachcha mera beta mera baby mera jaan and it goes around and around and what it means is first of all can i just say i love i love it <laughs> you and love it's, it? it's going to be stuck in my head today i love it <laughs> <laughs> it's an earworm for sure it means okay it means my my child, my son, my baby, my soul. Oh. And it was very much like in that soothing kind of tone you talked about. And mm. it's when I sing it now, it's still when I'm like rocking him when he, you know, the few times he still wants that as a three-year-old. Mm. And teaching him two languages. Like, I guess that was all packed in there, although I didn't yeah. really realize it at the time. That's amazing. So first of all, can I just say how lucky your son is? Because Learning two languages very early on or learning more than one language is so good for his brain. Mm. And it sounds like it was such an emotional, beautiful song that you're sharing with your baby. And I can actually visualise you sitting, holding him and singing this to him, having a really great shared social moment there. That is so sweet. 
Yes, it's that's uh, that's what would have happened, right? Social norms, (laughs) (laughs) and that's exactly what we use them for. Yeah, yeah. Never expected to be singing on this show, but here we are. Anyways, as our babies get older, the kinds of songs we sing can start to change, both in content and pitch and tone. So think of the next stage as the three to nine month age bracket. This is when they start to roll. They right. start to they start to look around at the world. They start to to be able to pick things up and, and play with toys. So between three to nine months, the pitch goes up. It goes up and down. So <laughs> I'm I'm going to give you an example. Ooh, what have you got there? <laughs> and can you hear how my voice goes up and down and up and oh, down right. and up and down? Uh, yeah. We also we also do this thing called hyper articulation of vowels. It means we stretch the vowels out in our words. So, hi, baby. (laughs) Here's what that sounds like when it's done in the form of a song. This is from Geelong mum, Georgia Jarecki Wark. Let's go over here. Let's go over there. Let's go over here. And let's go over there. Over here, over there. Over there, over here. Over here, over there. Over there, over here. That's amazing. It's just so happy and sweet. (laughs) And you can hear the baby there too. Yes. The baby is loving it. Oh, that's lovely. And I think you're right about like, you know, that's when that baby's getting a bit more mobile Mm -hmm. and they're singing about that kind of content and yeah, much more higher pitch and going up and down and exaggerated, all of it. That's exactly right. Then as a baby grows ever older and crosses the nine month mark, this other thing happens where they start to attempt to speak, to attempt to say words, typically. So this is when your language becomes a little more technical. Hmm. So you start to repeat words. It's less about the pitch that we're using and more about the content. And then so once they hit like toddlerhood, two, Mm. three, from just my observations, the songs just get silly and playful. They do get silly. Is that what generally happens? I think it's more about shared enjoyment as well. So that's silliness and like they now recognise that this is silly, this doesn't make sense and that's funny. And so it's about shared enjoyment. (laughs) This age is also when songs especially become about getting a kid to do something, like the Kiki Getting Dressed song that Chachi Milani came up with to the tune of Semi-Charm Life. I played the song for Alex and she had an interesting observation. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. So there's this this thing that happens, right? So when I talk about the communication we have with babies early on, and I, I usually say that there aren't many differences between mums and dads or mm. males and females when they're talking to babies. Right. But there is one slight difference that happens when babies get a bit older. Dads get a little more directive or action directive. Okay. So did you notice in that that he was kind of showing, teaching the baby what he was doing? This is what I'm doing. This is the action that I'm taking. Right. Yes. Yeah. I'm putting your left arm in and your exactly. right Exactly. Yeah. So that is what we just heard. But it was also very playful. It was a obviously a routine that they have. And the baby was obviously having, so, well, so was dad, but <laughs> they, were, they were both having so much fun with it. This kind of action orientation showed up in other songs by dads too, like this one from Matt Burrell. 
Daddy's gonna change your nappy. Daddy's gonna change it fresh. And the song from Mike Williams that we heard earlier. What's it gonna be? What's it gonna be in your nappy? In fact, all of the dads who sent in songs sent ones that were action-slash-activity-oriented. It be... That's not to say mums didn't send any action-oriented songs. They did. We're gonna clean your face, we're gonna clean your face, we're gonna make you nice and clean, we're gonna... Mums just sent a wider variety, which included lullabies and other kinds of songs. Pinchy the lobster, they also call him Rory, Pinchy. She the lobster, he'll pinch you for free. Now, it also has to be said, we simply had a whole lot more songs sent to us from mums than dads. So this isn't definitive proof that dads absolutely sing more action-oriented songs. It's just the case in our small sample size. But it is an interesting pattern, given what Alex said about how dads tend to sing as children get older. We, we find that dads do this thing called rough-and-tumble play, mm. so they kind of, like, are more physical in their play. Right. Yeah, so that's just what we see. And it's just a, a, you know, when you're playing physically, you usually talk about it. Regardless of the kinds of songs we sing, the fact that we sing is pretty universal. Although I say pretty because there is a caveat. So it's near universal. Hmm. Most people do it, and and we find that it is kind of cross-cultural. There are a couple of Indigenous tribes across the world who don't do this. So one of them is in New Guinea. So that tribe, they actually don't speak to the child within like that first year. Oh, wow. So culturally, this is just a thing that they've adopted, and they don't, yeah, they don't actually speak to the baby. Okay. The other tribe is in Guatemala, and... They actually speak for the baby. They, they take on the baby's voice and they speak to other adults as the baby. Wow. Yeah, so it's actually pretty interesting. And so do we know anything about how that impacts the child's development or what, like, what the impact of that kind of thing is? We don't know the long-term impacts yet. So this is actually a relatively recent finding that anthropologists have um, kind of unearthed. So I think keep an eye out. For the vast majority of us, though, it is pure instinct to sing for our babies. I was thinking about this in in relation to having a chat with you, and I feel like it's such an emotional time when you have a newborn in ways that make sense and in ways that don't make sense because your hormones are just kind of doing wild things. And it's almost easier to sing than it is to speak because to speak and try and put your feelings into words would bring a lot of stuff to the surface, whereas there's just this little bit of levity or ease in singing, you know. So it's almost like it's a comfort zone for the adult too, I think. Yeah, that's that's really lovely. Um, and that's beautiful because, yeah, I've wondered if when we're singing to our babies to soothe them, whether we're sort of soothing ourselves at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we must be. Absolutely. I know that for myself and I sense that and feel that in others where you know we're all kind of giant big babies (laughs) and we all need to be coddled in some way Um, and sometimes we don't like to acknowledge it and a lot of times we're like projecting or doing things to our child that you know we wish was done to us as children or like coddled in the same way I mean I definitely was sung to by my parents 
But I think there was like this whole thing of drawing a line growing up in an ethnic household where it's like, you're of this age now, no more toys, you know. And no more singing. No more singing, you know. Whereas I'm like, I'm 32 now and I maybe still want my hair tucked behind my ears, even though my <laughs> hair grows up and can't go behind my ears. But, you know, and I yeah, want to be right. sung to. Here is the bittersweet part. After a certain point, your kids stop wanting you to sing. Ryan Egan is a colleague here at the ABC, and his kids are now six and eight. I sing in the car and they tell me to be quiet. (laughs) (laughs) But when they were smaller, he had a teeth brushing song for them that they were super into. All aboard the teeth train. Everybody's getting on board. And we, we stopped doing our toothbrushing song when they were sort of old enough to brush their own teeth. Brush those teeth, teeth train. Nice and clean, teeth train. Probably around four or five, um, or maybe even just a tiny bit earlier. They didn't really need it. Do you know if they remember that song? No, they have no idea. <laughs> they I don't remember it. Now. And they just look at me like I'm I'm just weird. Like, what is that song, Dad? Why would you sing that now? Like, it's just, <laughs> wow. and they have no interest in the song whatsoever. They just do not understand why I would need to sing a song about brushing your teeth. Oh, that's hilarious. Interestingly, Ryan's kids stopped caring about his song kind of right on cue. When do people generally stop singing to their kids? Like, when does the sweetness stop? It's usually around school time. Right. So it doesn't it doesn't go away completely. It doesn't go away completely. But we do find that there is a bit of a drop-off from, you know, preschool to big school. Mm. We don't 100% know why, but we think it's because they've probably got a bit of mastery now. Okay. And we don't, we don't need to so much. So that function, it has served its purpose. And now we move on to other things. That kind of breaks my heart a little bit. It doesn't mean that you don't love them, though. You just <laughs> you just can actually have a conversation with these with these little people now. They've got right. fully formed personalities and mm. their, their brains have rapidly developed. Does that make you sad at all that they no longer want you to sing or you don't need to sing such songs to them anymore? I don't really mind. I mean, you know, if they like me singing to them, that's great. If they don't like me singing to them, that's also fine as well. Right. I mean, I wouldn't want to kind of go around just singing, you know, for, for them when they didn't like it. It's kind of torturous. I'm not a fantastic <laughs> singer. So I, I sort of get it. It doesn't make me too sad. I mean, I feel pretty sad at the idea of no longer singing to my kid one day. It's just such a lovely, sweet thing to do. But I guess that's the way it goes. Kids adore you when they're little, start to think you're cringe or daggy a little later, and then hopefully, hopefully, they come back around again. Have you ever thought about when you will stop singing to her? Like, when you'll no longer make up these silly songs and sing the ki-ki-ki-ki-ki song, you know? Well, she kind of doesn't have a choice. I mean, I, I perform. Yeah. So I envision embarrassing her right up until my deathbed. (laughs) I don't think I will ever stop singing to her. I expect it's going to be a feature of our relationship that brings her great cringe later (laughs) in life. I love the fact that she does it too currently. Here is the final bit of cuteness I want to end the show on. So Lara's daughter is now three, which means Lara doesn't really sing the Bounce Around the House song much anymore. But a couple of weeks after we spoke, she emailed me to say her daughter started singing the song all of a sudden, unprompted, just on her own one day. Have a little bounce. We have a little bounce. the lovely house. Yeah. Our house is full. 
house is right now she has that lovely thing that young children do which is that it's not at all embarrassing for her to sing really normal way of communicating and if I can keep the door open to that by being a bit silly (laughs) then I'll I'll try my hardest to do that for as long as possible That is All in the Mind for this week. I want to say a massive thank you to all of the parents who sent us the songs they sing to their kids. It has been an absolute joy to listen to them all. We had so many songs sent to us that we couldn't actually fit them all in this episode, but I do want to thank each and every one of you who took the time to record yourselves and email us. So thank you to Chachi Milani, Lara Tor, Adelaide Badgery, Georgia Walker, Georgia Jarecki Wark, Kelly Scott, Leanne Waterfield, Matt Burrell, Michael Gatt and Tennille Kennedy, Mike Williams, Natalia Henderson-Ferranda, Regan Beatty, Ryan Egan, Sarah Martin, Virginia Spicer-Harden and Yvonne Ardley. Big thanks also to Dr Alex Ballard from the Telethon Kids Institute and University of Western Australia. If you're a regular listener to the show, you might recognize her voice. We did a whole episode about her research and her personal story back in November 2022. That episode is called Trauma, OCD, and a PhD. And if you want to have a listen, you can find it on our website or scroll back in whichever app you get your podcasts. Finally, thank you to producer Rose Kerr and sound engineer Tegan Nichols. I'm Sana Kadar. Thank you for listening. I'll catch you next time. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.